Hey everyone, welcome to Entrepreneurship by Design with Dr. C. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline, and thank you so much for joining us today. Entrepreneurship looks different for everyone. How and why we start our business, challenges that occur, pivots we have to make, success we achieve, all while life is happening. That's why I love sharing these inspiring entrepreneurs with you and shed light that there is enough room for everyone to succeed and thrive, even if you're in the same industry. I am so excited today because I have Melissa Miller with me. And Melissa is a former certified nursing assistant turned full-time stay-at-home mom and spousal caregiver for her epileptic husband. Thank you so much for being here today, Melissa. I'm so excited to get started. Thank you for having me, Caroline. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. Um, so I would love to dive into your journey of entrepreneurship. I know you have switched and shifted gears, but what was that experience like for you? And then we'll dive deeper into it. Uh, well, it certainly wasn't planned. I'll just flat out say that first and foremost, I have a 15 year background as a certified nursing assistant, and I thought I would be in healthcare for the rest of my life. I never anticipated I'd be leaving that career and starting a brand new career with no prior history from scratch. Being an online business owner was far from my least anticipated journey. Um, I, I have a cousin who's more like a brother and he's the one that's tech in the family. Okay. He's gone to school, but he has a BA and a master's in this stuff. I just have a, my CNA license. It took me three months to get. I have no tech history, entrepreneurship, marketing. So this is told. So this whole journey has been really amazing in of itself. I'm I'm learning how to do all these skills because it is from left field. <laughs> so from left field. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. And it's so interesting too, because we might not have the actual background, but we can learn and grow. And like what you're saying with family members, they might have all these degrees, but being able to take and apply the knowledge you have and use it to your advantage as well and learn and grow from that. Absolutely. I am very thankful for my background. And that's something that really has, I'm finding is becoming more a component of what I do teach because for the average person, they don't have a medical background. And so when they're getting hit with an unexpected diagnosis that they did not anticipate in their family tree or have any prior experience with and are not medically trained to handle, I can give them a leg up. That gives me leverage, a leverage point for what I teach. I don't focus on the medical side, but the skills and how I triage and take care of my own husband and manage his own chronic illness and my own health. Um, after 15 years of doing it, I de the knowledge is still there. And so I'm very thankful that I have that as a resource that I can offer, pe offer people. Because for the average person, they're, they're scared. They're overwhelmed. They don't know what questions to ask their doctor. They don't know how to um, organize the basics and what the basics of information they should have on hand for caring for their sick spouse of what they should have. So all these questions are so overwhelming and new to them, but I know I can help quell that a little bit by sharing the knowledge that I have in a way that works realistically, also tying in with writing their own rule book and writing their own story as a stay-at-home mom when they did not plan to become a stay-at-home mom prior to having kids. Right, absolutely. And when you had to make that switch because it wasn't like by choice, like things were happening. How did you navigate that and knowing, okay, right now you need to be a stay-at-home mom and really take care of your husband. What was that experience like for you? Well, I will say, I want to say first off that it didn't happen overnight. My husband's decline with this illness started out slow, like right out the gate. We didn't know that it was a seizure disorder or epilepsy right out the gate. Yeah. Uh, he had his first, well, 
what I what looked like a just a blackout episode, which I going with my thinking with my medical brain was thinking it was just more of a and chemical imbalance. Like he was in his early fifties. There was an almost 20 year age gap between me and my husband. And so obviously caring for an almost one year old at the time when he started getting sick and working 40 plus hours a week and parenting to a one year old toddler, almost one year old toddler in your fifties, early fifties, it's a little bit different than when you're in your twenties and thirties. I was in my early thirties when this started. So, um, I thought, oh, he's just tired. He just maybe needs to supplement with some extra rest and nutrition, mm-hmm. you know, just to kind of, you know, give some body some TLC. I never for a million years thought it was the, that he just had a seizure. All what happened was he just, we woke up at 4.30 in the morning. We were changing our daughter's diaper because we woke up because she was crying because she, her diaper was soiled. I stepped out of the room to do something. And then when I came back to just check on the two of them to make sure they were okay, my husband had this weird glazed look over his face. And I asked him, I said, are you okay? He got three words out. I don't know. And he just passed out. And that was scary. And fortunately, I caught my daughter, our daughter before he passed out, got her into the crib and she just started wailing. She was scared. So it was very frightening for both of us. We saw the doctor, um, things started our, my husband's primary though. And the ER staff caught on quite right away that it could be something neurological. He's like, I'm just going with my gut feeling from what I'm seeing, but it could be something different, but he did thank God. He sent us, sent us to a neurologist and we were under his care for about the first doctor we were with um, neurologist for about five months. So in January to April we, of 2020, we were working with him and my husband didn't have too many episodes in the beginning. He only had one in January and one in March of 2020. April was the turning point. Something clicked. That was the first month he was having 10 to 20 plus seizures a month. It was so bad. We blew through our first medication and that doctor, because that doctor was, was not a specialist for seizure disorders and epilepsy. Mm-hmm. He was just a general neurologist. So he's like, this is the medication I gave you was all I can give you. You obviously have some sort of seizure disorder that's going on and it's more than I can treat. So I'm sending you to a specialist. So in May, after we had that horrible month in April, that's when I started to get in my gut. It's like, okay, we're in the middle of a pandemic. That was something else that was going on. We were shut down from the pandemic and my husband's health is declining and we're switching doctors. I have an almost, well, I have now at the time, then I had a one-year-old at home. It's like, she can't call 911. She can't take care of him. What if, you know, he passes out while I'm at work for an eight hour shift. And then he gets into God knows what, and no one knows. And we're shut down from the pandemic. So I'm limiting people in our household anyway. So that was the beginning of the turning point. of when I realized, you know what, I need to find something from home. So I went on a three week medical leave in May of 2020 started job hunting, could not find anything, but I also decided that, you know, you know, throughout that summer, as I was job hunting, my husband's health was continuing to decline. We blew through more medication, um, pretty much all the way up until July, when we finally got diagnosed with epilepsy, for sure. We had the medical proof, more detailed MRI scan because my, because after going through the second medication, uh, our neurologist specialist said, let's do a more detailed MRI scan and add an actual MRI scanning facility where they can take bigger, deeper pictures to get a better picture of what's going on than just the standard one that you get at the ER in the hospital. And that's the proof we needed because we found that his left front temporal lobe had shrunk and damaged. So that was the proof I needed with the amount of seizures he was having consecutively after being on medication, that was the other proof we needed. So that's what clinched my um, decision to A, stay home and quit my job. I'd been extending my medical leave there and B, I had, I started 
a blog in May of 2020. I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> but that was, but I just had this hunch that I was going to have to do something out of the box, out, kind of out of the box spectrum of what was normal because everything that I found online for remote work, either one at a bachelor's or master X amount of years of experience, um, or they were just offering remote work temporarily with a plan to go back on site once the pandemic quite quieted down, right. or they wanted me to have to stay at my computer doing telemarketing, for example, for eight hours a day, you know, or shifts, you know, and there was no flexibility to just drop things out of hat. If I had yeah. to, like this happened over the weekend, I was doing another podcast interview. My husband had a seizure right in the middle of the interview. I had to drop everything, run and take care of him. Then I came back and we quieted down the interview, but it happens. I mean, that's, yeah. the, that's the kind of flexibility I need. And that's the other flexibility other moms need. And that's the, what they're having to choose. Mm-hmm. It's expensive to hire help in home help. I mean, I'm not against, you know, I want, I teach them like leverage using resources that work for you with your spouse's illness, be that home health, be that hospice. I want you to leverage those resources because you can't do it all by yourself. You're going to burn out. Okay. But at the same time, you do look at the factor of what you can't afford in the season you're in. I can't afford daycare here. It's 40 hour, you know, it's as much as a rent or mortgage payment per month, depending on where you go home health, even to have someone be here for eight hours, that'd be 40 hours a week. That's another payment of stuff that I can't afford right now yeah and personally obviously too as a mom and a wife I want to be a little selfish I wanted to be the one that was here for every day and I wasn't missing everything yeah but for but thinking with my brain as a wife and a mom we're going to lose over half our income because my husband had to pull back to part-time for his hours because stress and the environment that he works in in a gas station is very stressful he cannot be in that kind of environment I mean he does it because he wants to provide but we right. pulled back. So we were got on disability and he doesn't work as many hours a week as, as he used to, because he needs to take care of, have more days a week per week to wet rest. But at the same time, he wants to still work through his men are fixers and providers and they want, and he needs that for his mental wellness, mm-hmm. but it, it impacts everything in your marriage and your relationship and your family. Financially, you take a hard hit for sure. Mm-hmm. Emotionally and spiritually, you're tapped out because you're angry, you're scared, you're frustrated, even spiritually, you, you do ask those question why I have a very strong faith, but you still, it's okay. You still have those moments where you're angry mm-hmm. and you don't understand why this happened to you, your family with no medical history in your family or as a child is usually speaking to what I know about epilepsy is usually how it's caught. So we had no warning and it's totally derailed and impact how the kind of life and you grieve that you grieve the life that you were planning on having. Right. Yeah. Um, my husband can never parent our daughter by himself again, because yeah. if he has a seizure and he's by himself with our little girl, they're both unsafe. And so yeah. that's a hit. He can't drive. He can't work as many hours as he used to um, thinking about the chemical impact of treatment for a neurological disease or any type of illness, whatever, whatever it may be it impacts your libido, it impacts your mood, you feel more anxious in general because of the illness, because you're scared. But that also impacts your daily stress and just being able to cope throughout the day and impacts your relationship. How can I have to balance being a mom? But I also I'm still a wife. And my husband's still my best friend and and, and an amazing husband and father. But I also have to segue into calling, calling out stuff too, as a caregiver, it's like, I see something going down. I don't like what I'm seeing. You need to go take a nap or you need to lay down, right? Even if he doesn't like it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so there's those conflicts of interest that 
have to coincide with each other and exist um, cohesively together. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely those days where it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you deal with that conflict when that arises, especially in marriage? Because that can be really tricky because you're a mom and you're a wife, but you're also taking care of your husband on a medical level. So how does that all transpire? It's, it's the process, you know? One thing that I have really done on my end that I learned the hard way. Okay. So listen up guys really, you know, buckle up. Okay. Really listen up. (laughs) Take notes. (laughs) Yeah. Take notes. Um, When you're in a situation like this, the one thing that you have to do, the two main things that I teach are preparing for the unexpected. You need to be able to take care of your spouse and be prepared for those unexpected hard days and emergencies. They're going to happen. And be prepared and organized for that because that decreases your overall stress and it gives your spouse peace of mind if something goes down. The other piece of the puzzle is you're the caregiver, you're the mom, you're the wife. You're picking up a lot more slack than what you used to as a mom and as a wife because your spouse can't do as much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you need to daily fill your cup. And I'm talking not just physically. Yes, making sure you drink enough water, getting 15 to 20 minutes of movement in is important, making sure you're eating your diet um, make sure you're eating healthy, getting seven hours of sleep. Um, hello, that doesn't happen, but we try, you want to shoot for that. You need that rest, getting time to recharge mentally and emotionally and spiritually is important. Mm -hmm. So sell whole body self-care is what we're going for and listening to your body. If there's something wrong, don't put off your wellness visits. Okay. So a little backstory, I did not prioritize everything that I do now for my self-care I didn't practice in 20. I was so tunnel visioned and mom mode and caregiver mode that I did not getting a self-care routine right out the gate. I regret that. And I put off my wellness visits and ignored the, I have hypothyroidism, for example. So Mm -hmm. I get gut issues and they got so much worse than normal. I put off seeing the doctor by the time I couldn't take it anymore, which was in May or April of 2021. It was so Mm -hmm. out of control. I hadn't been keeping my medical team in the loop. So we had really no idea of where to start. We just started testing and my MP couldn't do anything. So she sent me to a, gen- or a general surgeon to make, make sure my appendix was okay. Cause we were thinking there was something like that. We couldn't find anything there. So we started to move towards a GI doctor, but then, oh, we found out I was also vitamin D deficient, iron, iron, and iron deficient. So I started seeing a hematologist because with iron and, and deficiencies, it can look like cancer or something else. Right. So it wasn't that praise the Lord, but still I have but to manage those levels because that's kind of his, um, jurisdiction for lack of a better expression. He knew, could know what kind of supplements and medicine I need to be on. So I got on medication for that. We still didn't know why I was having gut attacks and what was going on. So then I had to still move to seeing a GI doctor. And then we had to do a procedure after that. <laughs> and finally, because after we omitted everything else during the procedure that we did, finally gave me the diagnosis because what we were testing for was um, either IBD or IBS. IBD, mm-hmm. you can take a, sam- a tissue sample from your colon. And I'm going, I'm going there, guys. I'm just going to be honest. Just go there. <laughs> just go there. Yeah. <laughs> be tested with a sample from your colon. Whereas with IBS, okay. it's really a diagnosis, a subsequent diagnosis after everything else has been eliminated. Mm-hmm. And we eliminated everything else after all my other doctors. So it was either IBD or IBS. We found out, oh, the sample's normal. I'm okay. So it is IBS. So then we got me on the medication for that. And I have a very limited diet now. So I have to watch my sugar foods and drink lots of water. So, so it's so important to not wait. To prioritize yourself here 
from the beginning because when you have a full cup, you show up better as a wife, you show up better as a mom, you show up better as a caregiver. And for me, because I mean, not it's not for everyone, but for me, I choose to also be a mentor and a coach. I'm running a business. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to build it to six figures. I'm trying to build it right now to my first K, but I have a long-term goal of six figures. So mm-hmm. I definitely need to take care of myself so I can keep going and keep showing up that way. It's going to be a house of cards if I don't fill that cup daily. So even now, even being two years in, I'm getting back and I've started knitting again to get back into my passion because my daughter's a little older and I can have time to knit for a little bit. She can play with her toys now independently. I am really focusing on prioritizing the first three minutes after I wake up actually did a reel about this this morning about how I just in the morning with my routine I wake up I get dressed I get my coffee my tumbler I grab my journals and I come in here to my office where it's quiet and I do my um devotional my spiritual prompt journal and then I also do a, a devotional lesson I'm doing right now that I've been going through and journal I give myself 30 minutes at least to do that and then I dive into work you know, I spend, I, I prioritize my relationship with the Lord above all. And because that segues into how I show up in my work, because for me, my work is a ministry. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I need to spend time with the Lord to nurture that piece. So, and as a, and my role as a mom and my role as a caregiver and my role as a wife, mm-hmm. whether you're spiritually sound or not, mm-hmm. it's still important to still practice good mindset. And yes. to just really pay attention and listen to, like, this is something my business coach really drives home to. So shout out to the Faith Mariah, my girl Faith. <laughs> um, she teaches a lot of this in her mind, in her um, business coaching program that I've been in years. And thank God for that, because I really needed that. When you're coping, you know, our brains like to throw us really wonky thoughts. And when we're going through extenuating circumstances, yeah. hello, it's even more intense. Mm-hmm. And it really just can send us up the wall and then we can just really melt down and just end up in an even more unhealthy circumstance. If we don't take care of ourselves, we're not paying attention in an extenuating circumstance. Like I am specifically, it's critical. You need to be on your A game every day, 365 days, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, because you never know when an attack's going to happen. And it's up to you. It's your job to keep your kids safe. It's your job to keep your spouse safe. And if you're a caregiver for your spouse, even more so, you have to learn like what their baseline is with their illness. You have to learn when there's a red flag. And it's like, okay, it's time to call the doctor. Okay, it's time to go to the ER. Okay, it's time to go to urgent care. Okay, it's kind of, it's time to follow up with the doctor and say, the symptoms are changing. They're getting worse. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna, we need to come up with a new game plan because something's wrong. Yeah. So it's a lot. It's a yeah. lot on you. And it can feel heavy. <laughs> mm-hmm. It definitely could. And that's the thing too. I love that you really focused in on like prioritizing yourself and like the story about really putting off going to get checkups or wellness checks and just being able to like be in tune with your body because we know our bodies and being able to really understand too, prioritizing our own self-care, like our mind and body is so key to showing up for everything else. So you don't burn out because that, especially the weight of the world, essentially on your shoulders, how do you take some of that off? So you can show up, especially because you do have a business as well. It's not just being a mom and a wife and a spousal caregiver. You're also running a business too. Like, I mean, those three in general are a lot, but like running a business in itself, a lot of entities as well. 
So I'm curious, I want to go back to, I know you said you had started a blog. I would love to understand a little bit more and for everyone else too. How did you get from the blog to coaching and mentoring? What was that journey like? Okay. So obviously in May, I just, I started a blog. I just knew that online, I, I, on the first, what got me interested in that is I did a lot of research and I found an article from, um, um, Alex and Lauren from Create and Go. They're big time, huge bloggers in the blogging industry. For those of you who are not aware of like what some of the main big bloggers are. So I did an article about that and I was like, I'm going to start a blog. I don't know what I'm doing. I just started a blog. but I did not know what I wanted to write about. I like to journal, but I'm not a writer for storytelling, if you will. It's not one of my strong points. I'm more of a talker than a writer. So that was something I didn't understand before. So I struggled. I just, I niched down a couple of times. I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, mom blogger, that's that mom blogger. No lifestyle blogger. I don't know. I tried things about my scene acre, but that didn't really light me up. It's like, no. So I found my business coach, Faith Mariah in October of 2020. And that quarter was just a big change of just trying to figure out what I would talk about. She coached me hard that first quarter because I just had no clue about what to do. She'd been pushing me to do my market research to find my gap in the market. And I kind of dragged my feet. I'll be honest, I kind of dragged my feet. But by December of 2020, I finally I finally got my footing. I figured out, you know what? I'm more of a talker than a writer. So that's the point. So coaching is probably perfect for me. And why the heck am I reinventing the wheel? I have a story and I did a lot of research, just kind of out of sheer need for my own journey of trying to find support. I could not find it. There was, my business exists because there's nothing on the market marketing to me. I could find something for stay-at-home moms, which I'm not dissing on, it's needed. But the stuff that I could find for stay-at-home moms was more from the standpoint of mom, of women and couples who had decided prior to getting marriage and having kids that this was what they wanted to do. The husband makes a really good job income at his job. They feel it's, a, and they, and they want to offset childcare expenses too. I totally respect that. I get it. It's expensive. And they want to be in, in intentional with raising their children. So the mom stays at home. That's fine. I respect it. We need that for women in that situation, but it wasn't for the unexpected need to stay home and not having a choice and having to become a stay at home mom out of necessity. Same thing with caregiving. I could find stuff for more targeted towards um, people who are starting to transition to caring for their, their parents or their grandparents because of the age gap. That's something we expect. And even with our marriages, think about, we anticipate caring for our spouses when they're 65 or older, because that's when, generally speaking, when the body really starts to break down and you start to see more health problems. Sometimes it's sooner, but you know, you're just kind of thinking about retirement after you've raised your family. You don't anticipate it when you're still trying to raise your family. Again, helpful, not what I needed. Um, and then I could even find stuff specifically that targeted epilepsy or certain other chronic illnesses, but it was more targeted at the person who was dealing with illness, who was diagnosed with illness. That's important. That's good. I want people to have that. But what about if you're caring unexpectedly for an illness that you have no clue about? And so that's where I got the vision for the dual niche that I have, where I'm a stay-at-home mom unexpectedly and a spousal caregiver. And that's where I segued with thinking about, okay. I'm pretty much writing my own rule book as I go. There's no 101 for this. There's nothing on the market that talks about a situation like this. I'm going to create that programs and coaching and a business that's segued around that and gives the person right in the throes of what I am, but is starting from scratch and has no support and has not a clue of what to do, especially with a no prior medical background. I'm giving people what I did not have, what I would have paid money for. So that's why my business exists and why, and, and that's why I created the dual niche that I did too. 
So I'm writing my own rule book and there's nothing wrong with that. So, and that's, and for those of you who are not cl clear about the business, you know, the base, basically when you're creating a business, you're trying to serve people who need something and okay. There's a lot of mom bloggers out there. There, there is other caregiving stuff. So you could easily think it's oversaturated or there's not room for me. There's room for you. We all process information in a different way mm -hmm. and your story of, and what you have to share is uniquely powerful and just will probably resonate with some people better than others. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, I'm doing a lot more coaching intentionality with creating a realistic plan that works around your spouse's illness, because obviously what I have to deal with is going to be different than someone else with a different chronic illness. Even if someone, if I do find someone, for example, that does have um, mm -hmm. a situation with a seizure disorder and epilepsy, that's the thing with epilepsy and seizure disorders. You're dealing with the brain. So you could have 50 people in the same room. I guarantee you all of them will be on a different situation of medic of meds they'll, and they'll, and not all of them will qualify, qualify or qualify for like say surgery, if that's about to help or a VNS cert, um, there's different types of devices to help stop seizures. There's 40 different drugs on the market right now for seizure disorders and um, managing that. And not everyone is on the same thing. My husband's on his fourth or fifth drug now. And the process two years in of getting him to the dose is different. Um, there's a guy I, I talked to on Instagram um, last year that it has had experience with some of the similar drugs that I've, my husband's been on, but he's yeah. taking a combo for him, for his body. He takes um, a combination of two that we that were not, that we blew through that did not work for him. Kept citrating up to try to find a sweet spot that worked for his brain. Mm -hmm. It didn't do anything. So everyone's mm -hmm. different. And with chronic illness, um, mm -hmm. your journey is going to, is supposed to look different and it will look different. Yeah. So that's where coming, the piece comes into for me of like, what is realistic for creating a routine and getting a system and everything in place with navigating, balancing motherhood and caregiving What works for you. You know, like my husband's pretty high functioning that when he has, when he doesn't, as long as he doesn't have a seizure, he's pretty high function. No, there's, there's some chronic illnesses where you are bedridden. And so it might mean that you're having to change incontinent, um, underwear on your spouse. It might mean you have to use a mechanical lift to get them in out of bed because they have days where they just can't physically stand or pivot. They can't do it. So you're having to use a mechanical lift for safety to get them in out of bed because of that risk of them, you know, suddenly just their legs give out from under to beneath them and they can't make it to the bed or the chair. And then you have to end up, then you could have the risk of a broken hip or obviously as a caregiver, which happens, you could, you know, you, you yourself could end up with a back injury. Yeah. So that's going to take more time doing that kind of ADL or activities of daily living. That's going to impact you more physically and time-wise than say what with my husband, where I'm basically just keeping an alert out for making sure he gets medically treated with the medications and that he is safe and he does come out of his seizures safely. You know, that he doesn't hit his head, for example. If he falls and hits his head, we're going to the ER and I'm having a CAT scan done to make sure he doesn't have a concussion, but that's a priority. Right. So he has damage to his brain. We don't need anything else going on with his brain. Yeah. So it looks different for everybody. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to look differently for everybody. I want to have that kind of resource for everybody that needs that in that situation. <laughs>
I love that. And, you know, it's so interesting too, because when you think about it, everybody is different. Our body chemistry is different. So going back to like what you're saying about your husband and just hearing from other people, if you have 50 people in the room, they're going to have different diagnoses or it might be the same, but each medication might be different or what they need. And that's just, I love that you kind of segued into with your coaching as well and your mentoring that there was a need and that's all entrepreneurship. It's finding what is the problem and having a solution for it and being able to find your own niche and writing your own book, writing your own rule book, for instance, but being able to understand too the depth of it, of when we are creating something that is going to really impact the masses in a particular way that's unique to chronic illness or any disease that anyone has, but being able to understand how to be mentor and coach others to help in that situation, to help grow your business. But you're also helping so many individuals that might be really struggling right now and not knowing how to manage it all. So I'm curious, how have you been able to manage motherhood, being a wife, running a business, taking care of yourself? How do you integrate all of it together? Um, well, going back to what I teach, one of the yeah. R's in it, so it goes P-R-O-M-P-T. So preparing for the unexpected, reaching mm-hmm. out for support, getting organized at home, managing your busy schedule, prioritizing your self-care and telling your story. So the big one of how I cope yeah. is reaching out for support and building your support network. So mm-hmm. obviously it's a, an, I'm in a lot better place with R with that first star than I was two <laughs> years ago. Let's just yeah. be really honest. Um, yeah. And building your support network, it doesn't have to be just having someone to talk to it, it can be outsourcing tasks. So we're getting, and that segues into getting organized. So they're all kind of interconnected, but important. So, cause it touches on, you know, going back to STEM, which is my, you know, self-care acronym, spiritual reconnection, thought management, emotional release and movement throughout the day. So they're all interconnected. Outsourcing those tasks is huge and having support. Mm-hmm. So because it's interesting, I don't, since I couldn't find a resource that really works for me for mm-hmm. that dual niche that, you know, I'm in, yeah. it's interesting. What, what has worked for me is my mastermind that I'm a part of face group has become like another family to me. I've been in there for two years. There's moms in there. There's mm-hmm. people who have dealt with caregiving. They have been a resource and that having a coach that has really worked her butt off to build mm-hmm. a six figure business and give other women a reasonable, affordable way to get business coaching, to pursue their passions and their dreams that God has laid on their heart. Mm-hmm. That has been a lifesaver. I would have given up a lot of time ago. So that's been one thing. Mm-hmm. The other thing is too recently, I found another group, um, shout out to Aaron and Andrea um, from the Holy Healthy Christian Moms group. Um, I'm actually going through a, a Christian uh, devotional right now with them. And that's helping me get more intentional with getting back into doing my daily time with the Lord. I've struggled with that all my life, but because, you know, just figuring out how, what works for you in that sense of really just making your faith yeah. your own is another journey of itself spiritually, you know, whether you're spiritually sound out, you have to find out what works for you for inner peace and blocking out that 30 minutes when I start my day of doing that. And then I also do the believers journal for everyday faith by Carrie Evelyn. I've been doing that one as well. So that's been helpful too. So just figuring out things that I need for support just yeah. really helps. And then in terms of outsourcing tasks, when we moved in with my dad, when my mom passed away, um, he was her caregiver up until she passed away last year. She was, she'd been sick for 50 That's years insane. on and off chronically. Mm-hmm. And when we moved in, my dad said, you know what, you have enough on your plate. Yes, you're here to help me out. So we're not, so I'm not by myself either. Cause we did promise. I did promise my mom that we would take care of daddy. 
Um, mm-hmm. But he's like, I'm making the executive decision, you know, to help me. And he's like, I'm not firing our house because they had house cleaners come in because they didn't couldn't physically do it. And they hired people to do the yard, to mow the lawn. Mm-hmm. So, and my husband can help in the past has helped, but that was before he had epilepsy. And so he has days where he's just off and he can't physically do it as much as he would like to. So for outsourcing tasks for us, that is having one house cleaner come in weekly. And then another one for certain things to help out my dad with. And then another one comes in bi-weekly, bi-weekly to deep clean our house. And then we have people that come in more our yard once a week or bi-weekly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I would much rather you outsource tasks that you can't even do. Even groceries, they have delivery services now, or even if you want to just shop online and then just spend versus spending an hour to shop and check out, go home, fill out your order online, pay for it, and then just go and then just take 15 minutes to go pick it up. Leverage what you can Mm -hmm. in terms of getting a break. If you're to the point where your spouse's illness is out of control and the level of caregiving is intense and you can't do it on your own, that's when it's probably a good idea to have. home health come in because I worked for home health too, for a year and a half within my career. I primarily did long-term care facilities because I really had a passion for the elderly, but um, home health is awesome because they don't just do ADL care in terms of helping with eating, bathing, vitals, and and toileting. They can help with light housework. They can help with errands. They can help with meals. That's what they do. And depending on how much you need is how much time you can apply for. I had cases where I would only go in for two hours, three times a week. And then I had some cases where I was there for a full eight hours a day, five days a week. So I definitely encourage you, like if that is a season where you're in, leverage that research, see what programs are in your area and compare pricing. And a lot of hospice and home health agencies also do have social workers. So they can be a leverage point for you, but not just you for your family too. When when my mom's mom, my grandma went on hospice Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't personally, but I had some of my cousins who really leveraged the social worker mm-hmm. that we had as a resource too, because they were just really in a, in a tough place, just needing to cope with this process of my, our grandmother declining in health and just mm-hmm. the impact it was in our family. Cause we were all trying to keep her out of a home nursing, long-term nursing facility. So mm-hmm. we were actually taking turns where she would have spins, where she would come and live with us in our homes or we would stay with her in her house. So that way someone would be there taking care of her without having to put her in a facility and we would have home health come in and do certain things like the nurse would still come in and do check-ins with her her an aide would come in and help her with her bathing twice a week so there's 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 a lot of ways to work around what works for you and mm-hmm. I want you really thinking because I'm doing this too right now we're in the throes it's two years in we're back into the more intense season where my husband is hitting a plateau with his treatment we're getting him, we're weaning onto a new medication. A lot of breakthrough seizures happen. So I'm constantly going back and forth, calling the doctor with what's going on. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to stabilize him so we can get up to the next pump, which is looking at surgery. And that's a whole testing and journey of itself. So I'm in the throes of it right now too. So leveraging what you can to amp up on self-care, mm-hmm. do what works for you. And, 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 and decisions aren't life sentences here. So depending on what your season is, and it's going to change. It never stays on the straight and narrow. You have those days where it's good. You'll have those seasons where it's really good and your spouse is pretty stable. You can, you're able to kind of be more consistent with the ebbs and flows of your day of having more good days than bad. But then there's going to be times where things plateau, where things, you know, hit a cap point mm-hmm. and you're back down here, you're in the valley again, or the low point, and you're having to 
start from scratch and start over and figure out, okay, where is the sweet spot for treatment? What works and what doesn't? Paying attention and amping up on your self-care so you can cope through that season really and really paying attention and being the eyes and ears of your medical team. Because that's another thing here too. When I worked as a CNA, when we would shift change, one thing we did was we do would do report. And basically what I was doing is I was telling the oncoming nurse, the oncoming aide, what happened in the eight hour shift and what I had been given when I what came on duty from the night shift because I worked day shift a lot of the time. So, things can change in the span of eight hours. And when you're a spousal caregiver, you're basically having to learn how to do that all the time, giving report, giving progress notes, you know, documenting what's going down with your spouse's illness, because you're the eyes and ears of them. They're at their offices and who knows where. And right. so they, and they can't make executive decisions for your spouse's care if they don't know what's going on and it's going to change. So that's why having a way to document your spouse's illness is important having basic information ready to go on the fly. If you do have to call 911 or take them to urgent care of the hospital is important because think about it when you're in an emergency situation, it's really tough to kind of remember all the basics, the days of diagnosis, the current doses mm-hmm. of medication, who their primary doctor is, who their specialist doctors are. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Be intentional, get organized now before there's chaos mm-hmm. because then that gives you peace of mind. And that is a form of self-care for that unexpected situation. It's a lot more easier to plan ahead and prevent than to try to than to try to play catch up. I've learned that the hard way personally and professionally. So don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Such great advice. And honestly, just even thinking about it too, of how much being prepared is so important because you're right. Like the mindset is becomes almost like mush. Like when things are happening, you like, you have to be so quick on your feet and you might forget something, but if you have it all written down in one spot or on your phone somewhere where it's all in one place where you know exactly what's going on, the documentation is so key to understanding that too. And I love that you brought that up and you're going to be helping so many people listening as well. But with just to give maybe two or three tips that you wish you would have maybe needed back in 2021 when all these things were happening. So if somebody is listening, that's going through the peaks and valleys and everything else that they're dealing with could really benefit. I know you gave the Ackerman and self-care. Is there any like two other tips that you could give us as well? Um, We'll just, we'll just take it back to prom. So managing your busy schedule, keeping up with everything, color coding and Google calendar. I I love Google calendar because I can access on my phone. And I can access it on my, on my laptop and I keep my phone on silent just so I don't have the constant ding, ding, but notifications still show up. And so, and I like, and I do better with knowing um, what's coming up a day in advance. So I like to um, set notifications. So like, for example, like Caroline's, <laughs> your appointment came through at eight o'clock yesterday morning. So I was like, okay, 24 hours from today, I have a podcast interview noted. So just <laughs> That what works for me. Other people, even even if your phone's on silent, thing on the ding 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 ding, it might be too much. I respect that. So maybe a planner might work for you. Maybe having a family calendar. We do both. I because for me, I'm very much um, a repetition type person. I have to see something more than once for me to get it or to remember. Otherwise, forget it. Your girl's not going to get it done. It's going to be a disaster. So we have a family calendar on our on our fridge where we kind of write some of the bigger things about like when my husband works when. I have morning appointments or I have appointment or it's a day where I need help with extra help for my dad to watch our daughter. So Daryl can rest and I can work <laughs> and do things like this, make the decision to work only from like 
six in the morning until 11 in the morning, you know. So I would say managing your busy schedule is a big one. Figuring out what works for you. Is it a planner? Is it a family calendar? Is it leveraging Google Calendar? Asana and Airtable are great for both personal and professional. I live by Asana and Airtable um, to just, even if it's just for documents, think about it. We have so much information that we have in documents and logins and username passwords for whether it's, you know, banking or mm-hmm. bills or like if you are a healthcare uh, or excuse me, if you are a caregiver for your spouse, mm-hmm. everything's digital. So maybe you are waiting for a test result on your spouse's illness and you're just, and, but you need to remember the login and username password to go check their portal. So mm-hmm. having a template, you know, to keep track of all your username and passwords, I, I, I keep two, I keep it, but I pay for one. So if I can't get into Airtable because Airtable's being annoying, I have a backup way of being able to do that. But I also like having Airtable in Airtable too. So like when I am working and I'm going back and forth between tabs when I work, I'm I can just go back and forth easily. So that would be another thing. The other thing I would say is just getting organized with a daily routine. What are the tasks like we talked about a little bit? What are the tasks that you can outsource that you don't get, you can take off your to-do list that you don't have to work about, worry about? Or could you make it maybe a bi-weekly or a weekly or bi-weekly, weekly or even a monthly task to where it still needs to get done. You still want to have eyes on it and have it in your to-do list, either in your planner, your calendar, Google calendar, whatever, or sauna, mm-hmm. but it's not an all, it's not a have to, what are the, so what are the non-negotiable 15 minute tasks? This is what I teach with my moms is mm-hmm. every day to kind of keep ahead of the game. So for example, I'll use laundry. Mm-hmm. When I was a CNA, I'd have two days off. And so the first day would be a work day. I'd pay bills, do laundry, deep clean the house. Second day would be a day to relax, spend time with family, and we'd make plan, plans with family and friends. Mm-hmm. I have a chronic illness, a chronically ill husband. I never know when things are going to go down. So if I plan on doing a five loads of laundry on Friday, it probably, in my husband's seizure, it's not going to get done. Right. So my little rule of thumb for that is I want to still get it done. I can't bet on doing it on a specific day anymore. That just doesn't work having, having set days for everything. It just does not work anymore more because that that day could be the day that we have a bad off day with my husband so when my laundry hamper gets three quarters to all the way full I do a load of laundry first thing I get it started if I just get it into the dryer by the end of the day and then I fold it the next morning that's okay but at least I have some clean clothes and I've gotten one load of laundry done I love how you broke that down because I, I think too it's being able to be flexible, like having the plan, but being able to be flexible with it because you you're right you never know what's going to happen and it could you have to drop everything immediately and you're not going to be able to do those five loads. But if you're able to get the one done, adjustability to it too, because I think that's really important. And I've so been enjoying this conversation, Melissa. I know so many people are learning so much from you and we're going to jump into the rapid fire questions if you're ready for them. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. The first question is, who is your hero? Oh gosh, that one's such a loaded in question. Who is my hero? That is a tough question. I know. <laughs> Whatever pops yeah. in your mind. What's I the think first right thought? now my hero is my business coaches because they have just been yeah. so good to me um, personally and professionally. You know, that's just been, they've been a lifeline that I have just really freaking needed over the yeah. last two years. I would have given up a long time ago if I didn't have to have that for the mindset for it. And just seeing me and understand and, and being um, supportive, not just with um, mm-hmm. my business journey, yeah. but what I'm going through personally, they're, they're awesome. They've, mm-hmm. they have just definitely been in my corner in ways I never thought. So. I'm glad you have them in your corner. What motivates you to work smarter? 
if I can get stuff done, right? Yeah. Procrastinating, it doesn't work. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, for Q2, I did Airtable and I used it for the back end for like just organizing, like so I can find things like all my templates and stuff and passwords and things like that. But I was trying to do my um, 90 day plan in there where I'd have my task list in there. But it, even though you can set up tasks and it has a calendar, it just doesn't have quite everything like Asana does. And I was just like trying to do it all in one, but it's like, eh, I don't know. So I, so I'm okay. I'm, I, you know, so after doing that experiment in Q3, I did it for 90 days just to see if I like it and try it and play around with it. I still use uh, Airtable, for example, for, for the back and for all my other stuff, you know, for the hub for trying to find things. So it's organized. So I'm not spending an hour trying to scroll through Google Docs, trying to find things or Google mm-hmm. Drive, trying to find things. You know, I just have the links ready to go and planning my projects. But then in Asana is where I actually do my daily tasks mm-hmm. and my weekly tasks or whatever, or just put my due dates on for like my big launch dates. So I just keep track of when I need to have everything done. And that works so much better for me because there's a lot more, um, there's a lot more resources that make sense with that platform mm-hmm. for that kind of thing for planning versus um, what Airtable does. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. And if you were a superhero, what would be your power or powers? I like the idea of Wonder Woman, I guess. Being strong and being able to just take out the bad guys is pretty cool, I think. But I also think mm-hmm. it's just cool, you know, that lasso of truth. And like, you know, she's she comes from a place of truth, right? She def- mm-hmm. she doesn't, she gets what she wants. She's like, I I don't like when people are pushed around and social pull out that lasso compels you to be truthful and tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Like if you know, if you're hiding something. Here comes the lasso of truth and she wants truth. And that's the thing I want too. It's like, I want, I want people to get results and I want them to be honest and open with themselves about where they're at, what they can do and figuring out a solution to work through that situation. The situation that we're in as a caregiver and as a mom and being forced into being a stay-at-home mom, I'm not saying that's easy and that's anything I would have wanted or that my family wanted either, but it's the hand of cards that we've been dealt. So how can you approach that from a place that is one where it's, you're, you're, you're facing the truth of the reality of the situation head on, Mm -hmm. but you're a fighter, you're fighting. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is the hand we've been dealt. I'm ticked off as ever that it has happened to my family and I, but I'm not giving up without a fight. And I'm going to, (laughs) and I'm going to fight tooth and nail to figure out a way to make a, to make this work. Absolutely. So it may look different every day and that's okay, mm-hmm. but or in, in different seasons, like we've talked about, but mm-hmm. more, the more important thing is that I'm just going to fight and I'm going to make sure it happens. Yes. Never giving up. So if you were to share a meal with four individuals living or dead, who would they be? Corey Ten Boom. She was a Christian and mm-hmm. she lived through the Holocaust. Come on. That's a very big experience circumstance and test her, her test her tested her faith to it to everything and Frank the same thing you know because they both were touched yeah. by the holocaust and they yeah. um and Joan of Arc you know so another spiritual thing you know so I think those women you know those two run for sure um mm-hmm. then for my fourth one like a share meal probably my business coach you know just yeah. need to spend some one-on-one time with her you know that'd yeah. be fun that's amazing I love that that's a good good mix of people what is the most daring thing you've ever done starting a business <laughs> Yes. Winning my job, saying goodbye to my career <laughs> when my family thought I was nuts. I mean, oh my gosh, because, you know, I didn't have anything else. I had no other certification or license or training. Mm-hmm. So I basically have written my own. Tra- I have basically 
invested in business coaching and I'm writing my own rule book. Yeah. That's what <laughs> Starting it's about. Starting your own business is, is not for the, is not for the faint of heart. It is a marathon and Lord have mercy. <laughs> Holy moly cannoli. It has just been a one wild ride and I never thought I'd be doing it. So well, so, you're doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm doing it. But it sure is. That's been the scariest thing I've had to do. I'd say, well, tied in with putting my choosing to quit my job and to take care of my family. I mean, it was a no brainer. I mean, you know, as a mom and a caregiver, you know, you fight, you know, you want to be present for your family. So that was a no brainer. So I would say with that piece, um, making the decision was actually easier than the whole process afterwards. Making the decision to quit my job and be home full time was the, the easy part. Figuring out how to write that rule book over the past two years, that's been the roller coaster and building a business. So um, alongside that was also rewriting a whole different rule book in of itself. Definitely by far the scariest thing I've ever done. I believe it. And what is the phone app that you use the most? Carol, you had to freaking go there. Yes. Dang it. <laughs> well, I definitely use Google Calendar a lot because I'm mm-hmm. putting all my appointments in there for both personally and for my coaching, for um, for appointments, for networking, for my business, um, keeping mm-hmm. track of my own business coaching calls that I have with my coach, meetings, my calls and co- calls I host in there, um, medical appointments. So I would say Google Calendar is definitely probably really big. Airtable and my email, Gmail. So a lot of apps. You had to ask that question. Now it's out on the internet for everyone to know. Oh my gosh. Well, you're not alone. A lot of people have said similar ones. <laughs> so you're not alone. Uh, you what is there. <laughs> What is the last book that you've read? Um, actually, interesting. Um, I know pot listening to audiobooks is a big thing. My dad's in that season where he really prefers to listen to books than physically hold and have to focus and concentrate on reading a book. Mm-hmm. With all the tech stuff I do with my business, I still just love the old and how tech driven and technology based our culture is going. Mm-hmm. I really love buying, going to Barnes and Noble and buying books and just having mm-hmm. a hardback copy. Cause I also like to underline too and save, and yeah. I can just refer back to it whenever I want. I don't have to, you know, worry about dealing with tech stuff. Yay. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> no offense, they gave me a break from the text. So the last book I need, I need to finish it. The 12 week year by Brian P. Moran and Michael Lennington. I'm currently working through for spiritual mindset and business. So she's from a Christian, she's a business mindset coach, but from it encompasses, you know, scripture and the Lord, which I love. Any yeah. E. Allen's Get Out of Your Head, I'm Avoiding the Spiral of Mindset. And then the other one, just and then just for fun, is I obviously am a big Jane Austen fan. I love mm-hmm. it. So I have all the movies, I have a lot of the books. And for my birthday this year, my husband and his best friend and my dad all surprised me with three copies of collector editions of three of the Jane Austen books that I like. So I've been reading Emma. Um, nice. So I love that. All amazing books, all different genres too. And if you were to have a movie about your life thus far, who would play you? You have you and your questions, Caroline. Oh, girl, we're gonna have words later. Um, let's see here. <laughs> let's welcome. see. Who? You're welcome. Yeah, I know, right? You're welcome. Um, who would play me? Ming Ya. I was thinking of her because she's Asian, but she played on ER. You know, she was a doctor on the TV yeah. show ER. I guess her because she's the only thing I, I can think of because she was. A- Asian because she would look like me because she's Asian but she's Chinese but that's okay I'm Korean it's all right it would still work so so probably her but that's an interesting question I've never had that question asked before so that's an interesting question (laughs) I'm glad you think so (laughs) I like to switch it up here um what is your favorite family recipe whether it's traditional or you love making together as a family 
missed eating it because I'm grain-free now because of my IBS, but mm-hmm. I really loved my, I really, growing up, I loved my dad's breakfast pizza. So it's a pizza that has eggs, hash browns, meat, traditional yeah. meat and stuff on it. And then I also loved, um, he's more of a baker. He's always enjoyed baking like desserts and breads yeah. and pies and cookies more than anything. Mm-hmm. And so growing up, he did this, he has this recipe for what's called English muffin bread. So it looks like an, it comes out looking like outside it looks like a loaf of bread, but the inside looks like an English muffin mm-hmm. and it is so good. It smells, mm. makes the house smell wonderful. It's so good with my mom used to like to eat it with honey butter. She'd mm-hmm. mix honey and butter together and just put it on the English, on the English muffin, muffin oh. bread. I just mm-hmm. would just love to just toast it and just put a little butter on it. Or sometimes just eat and just toast it and eat it plain toasty and crunchy but also soft kind of on the inside and I kind of like that you get a little bit of the crunch of the crust when you toast mm-hmm. it but then you get the softness of the bread and mm-hmm. oh and then just the smell I mean because dad would make that a lot well it sounds delicious and it's, it's, me so good. it's so good <laughs> so if you had to describe yourself as an animal personality type style what animal would you be probably a tiger or a lion mm-hmm. I'm protective I can see no. it. <laughs> I'm protective of my family Yes. I'm protective of my own business of what I'm, of, mm-hmm. of, of who I'm wanting to serve. Mm-hmm. So don't mess with the lioness or in me. It's going to regret it. <laughs> and so when you have a day off, what is your favorite way to spend a day off? Or even if it's a few hours, what do you like to do? I take Sundays and Saturdays off generally every Good. week, um, just so I can recharge. So Saturdays, um, it's a little crazy, but um, I, sometimes I like, I like to go to the park or take my daughter swimming sometimes. Um, just, just not having to worry about work or think about work, I guess. I like Sundays because we do get to go to church together. And then lots of times we'll just watch a movie or just relax, you know, sometimes we'll, and we'll, sometimes we'll grab something to eat after church and just have, you know, a, a yummy meal, but just mainly just spending time with my family, definitely getting in some extra knitting or reading my books, you know, for self-care is something I love to do. So love it. And what is something an outsider wouldn't know about your industry? Um, hmm, what is it? Something that an outsider about my industry? Um, there's a lot more involved medically than you think. All the stuff that I do do anyway, if I didn't have a medical background, it's an industry that needs a lot more awareness because, mm-hmm. you know, because I am also advocating for epilepsy in of itself, just for more funding, right. raising awareness that this is happening. Because my husband, with my husband specifically being in that populate part of the population where he didn't anticipate this coming why can we prevent it is there research that we could maybe try to catch it sooner or prevent it or cure it you know obviously we ultimately want to cure but the trick is with epilepsy with this type of chronic illness you're dealing with an individualistic brain Mm -hmm. so even if his father had it or his sister had it or a cousin had it um the genetics there would still be some similar genetics because they're blood related, but you're still dealing with an individualistic brain. So again, going back to that piece of that room with 50 people in a room being trying a, um, the same drug, not everyone would uh, be able to cope with that. Not everyone would have the same citration dose. So it's, it's different. Yeah. So we need more awareness and funding to figure out how can, cause right now treatment is very much um, you're throwing spaghetti at the wall mm-hmm. and that's cause that's all we've got. You try a drug see if it works, you try to you see if it works. Um, if you get to the point like where we're at, where my husband's become drug resistant, then we're looking at surgery or device placement, you know, cause usually drugs are first. So it's, again, it's an individualistic disease. Yeah. 
it's an, um, what works for one person won't always work for the next. So it just really depends. It really depends on the situation. So I think, but, but because of that, there's just so much more medical knowledge that we need to address. Yeah. And for the person who isn't medically trained, who doesn't have the wherewithal to know how to triage and treat and just even cope. Mm-hmm. Cause I can fall back on my medical training. That's been a lifesaver for me in my two year journey so far and counting, you know, for the, and for the rest of my life, it will be the average person. They're just overwhelmed and they're scared because they don't have an advocate and they don't have that leverage point. So right. I think there's just for that, for my industry, there's so much more medical innovation involved. So even though I don't necessarily teach medical stuff, they're underlining. It's still it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Melissa, where can people find you, get your services? We're going to link everything below, but if you could let us know too. Okay. Buckle up. Okay. Your girl's <laughs> everywhere. Um, <laughs> you can follow Instagram is my main jam and TikTok is where I'm focusing, but I'm on Instagram the most. So at Melissa Miller, 2011, TikTok, Melissa Miller, 2011. I have on Facebook at Melissa Miller, 2020. I do have Pinterest at Melissa Miller 2011. And then my website is programs, Melissa Miller, 2011.com. If you're in a season where getting organized is the critical piece that you're struggling with right now, I do have my daily checklist planner. You can download that. And then doors are opening next month. Again, to my finding your balance program. That's my one-on-one coaching program course. And then the beautiful thing is I'm not going to throw you to the wolves. You get, when you join, you get one month of free Voxer support, voice, voice message coaching, and you get access to me six hours a day, five days a week. So Monday through Friday, 10 AM to 4 PM Mountain Standard Time, you get access to me as many times as you want. And so that's the way where you can get coaching for me one-on-one, create your realistic motherhood and spousal caregiving routine. Well, thank you so much, Melissa, for coming on, just sharing your story, being able to bring awareness to such an important topic that is not discussed enough. And I just know I appreciate it. I know everyone listening has learned something new that they might have not known or having the resources and just really having the knowledge now to be able to apply that and to join your programs and just get in contact with you. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Caroline, and take care. Absolutely. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment below. What was the biggest takeaway from Melissa today? I'm sure she would love to see that comment and we'll see you on the next video.